Hello and welcome to the Women Leading Show. This is our fourth show in our first season and I'm really excited to have a fantastic special guest. We have another one hopefully that's literally going to fly in from San Diego. Uh, Dr. Alessandra War hasn't joined us as yet but hopefully she will. Um, but I'm really thrilled today to see uh, Tara Halliday, not only because she's an amazing guest, but she's just been telling us how you've had, actually just had COVID. So thank you for joining us post-COVID. I'm delighted to be here, I have to say. Well, it sounds like you've had a, quite a time, but thank you, just the mild version, if that is such a thing. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thanks for joining us. And obviously, I've got my wonderful co-host, Kim Adele Platz. Hello, Kim. Oh, she's muted herself, bless her, because she's she's doing all the back. <laughs> moving people around, but um, it's nice to it's nice to um, be chatting with you all. Fantastic to have you. Uh, Kim does a uh, lot the background work for me and keeps everything flowing smoothly, which is just fantastic. And my other co-host, Joe Sumner, who's actually just up the road for me. Hello, John. <laughs> Hi, guys. Really good to be here. Looking forward to today's discussion. Oh, same here. So we are going to have. One of the biggest, I think, one of the biggest topics that gets talked about for women, um, but maybe that's just the, the nature of the conversations I have, but imposter syndrome is a huge topic, problem, but uh, we're going to come on to that a bit later on. To start with, we always talk about something that's topical, um, and this week we've had the brilliant announcement that Kamala Harris is going to run for VP in the US, which is just amazing on so many levels. Um, but Sarah Palin, very interestingly, posted her top tips for Kamala, which was really helpful. It's always good to help other women up the ladder. And one of the issues she raised was trust. In fact, she recommended, and it was tip number one, to not trust anyone new. So trust no one that comes into your network that is new, uh, presumably because can you do you know where they're coming from what what are they going to be doing are they trying to jump on the bandwagon so let's get started with i don't know let's hear from joe sumner first about trust and what what's your what's your views on this uh these comments and this so say advice um actually my initial thought was a lack of surprise and a feeling of good on her for just saying it um, because I suspect that's actually an experience candidates have again and again is that they get to that point that they may potentially have been working towards for a long time and suddenly they get an influx of new staff. That's what Sarah Palin was saying. You, you know, you'll have a sudden influx of new people and they'll have a different agenda. And um, I actually loved how she wrapped up her advice. And this surprises me because I'm not actually a Sarah Palin fan at all. Um, but I loved how she wrapped it up, which was to remind Kamala Harris that she'd been chosen for who she was and who she is. And to remember that, to not allow herself to be changed too much by all of these uh, you get this impression that what Sarah was trying to say is like all these vultures who come in and they've got a particular party job to get done. Um, so a lack of surprise. Uh, I, I always feel um, it's a tremendous pity that politics is not a kind of place and is so much, a sh you know, it feels like such a showboating affair, particularly um, I always find in, in American politics, though maybe I shouldn't say that as I'm not American, maybe I don't have the right. Um, 
and that you get squeezed, you know, almost the more integrity you have, the more squeezed you become. So I, I actually really um, have, have felt a lot of sympathy in that, felt um, a lot of, uh, what's the right word? I admired her for just saying it and saying it outright like that. And hopefully Kamala Harris has a really solid head on her shoulders and perhaps even knew some of that already and is able to stay who she really is. Yeah, brilliant. I, th I think you're, you know, it's, it's, it's really true. And it's, it's a tough, tough world let alone for, for a woman to rise through the ranks because obviously the, the numbers are still horribly terrible um, proportionally of how many women there are. So let's go to Kim now. Kim, what do you think? What are your thoughts? Do you trust people you've just met or do you just, just, or does your guard stay up? Um, so, I, so I'm a big one for trust. I think that you should trust people until they prove you wrong because the majority of people won't prove you wrong. But we've got a gut instinct. And the thing we have to trust most is that I think you get a very early warning sign about whether or not somebody's lips and hips match if what they say and what they do seem to be showing up appropriately and I think for me that's the that's the indicator I'm careful how much I trust so while I say I trust people and um, to start off with I trust them with everything but I think you I think you've got to start from a place of treating people in the way that you would treat them if they would if they were trusted uh, with certain bits of information and then you can work out for yourself if you'd give them more but I do think it's it is clearly the result of, of people having experience others who haven't deserved their trust and I think that has happened to all of us and it is sad um, it's a shame that we can't all be more honest and have a bit more integrity um, but I think you've I think you've got to try and keep your you've got to try and keep your self safe and I think Joe as you said the the advice to not allow others to change you is great advice and, and we can all come under some knocks for that and I know obviously we'll get into that later on in the show on the imposter piece but I think trying to stay true to who we are is perhaps our most crucial skill yeah absolutely and in it's it's a, it's a mixture isn't it of staying true to yourself but also letting people in because we all need to grow our tribes to to go get to where we want to go and if you are holding back on the trust and trusting no one then how can you grow your tribe because you will you'll keep yourself stuck with the same amount of people um, I liked what you said, Kim, that actually we need to just realize that we have an intuition and we need to turn the volume button up to maximum, especially in politics. I've worked a lot in politics myself um, and with one of the authors from the book, Sonal Badiani, who will be a guest on our show, our, our next show. She has um, had incredible value and worth uh, thrown back at her by trusting her team. And she, I know she found it hard. Um, she's a woman who didn't have the biggest confidence to go into politics and run as an, a member of parliament. But the more she trusted and valued her own intuition, the better it got, the bigger her team got, and the more successful was her campaign. So it's a really interesting one. Let's go to Tara before we flip on to Impost and Joe. What do you think, Tara? There we are. Yes, so a uh, fascinating question. 
Um, I think with all, with all things like this, the statement, trust no one, it's, it's, it's a very bold and snappy and looks good on Twitter and things, but, but it, it, it's, it's too broad. You know, if you absolutely trusted absolutely nobody, then you'd be, you know, completely isolated and, and have no interactions. As a society, we're all about give and take, and there is an element of trust. It's a natural part. It's, it is the social contract. And so, so what do you do with that? Well, you still have to use discernment. I think that's where her advice was going, that, that you have to use discernment and be careful. And there's also then trust whom with what. You know, it, 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 there's all sorts of things. You can trust certain people with specific things. Um, but I'm definitely with um, Kim in, in erring towards the side of trusting people, because when you trust people, that's where you're going to get your support from. And that's a crucial thing. And I think that that's going to be very, very necessary in the upcoming election to be able to have that support around her as well as, um, you know, not isolate herself. Yeah, no, definitely. And actually, you've just done a great post on LinkedIn about um, progression and about success uh, and compared successful business people and leaders to um, sportsmen and women who are top of their game. But I'm going to let you go on to that in a second. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I, I think it, it's really important. And I think it's, um, do you trust yourself? You know, if, if you can't trust yourself, then I can see why you wouldn't want to trust people around you. Um, but I think actually, sadly, we have to break this distrust and it's become very common for people to distrust. And like you said, Joe, you know, in politics, it is a very attritious and difficult environment. Um, but actually, by trusting other women, other men and anyone that you really feel like you can, we can start to change that energy and that dynamic um, and get better people like Kamala into politics and God, who knows? She might be VP. Wow, what an amazing, amazing idea. That just gives me goosebumps to think that someone like her could become VP for the US. Um, yeah, so really exciting. Okay, so let's introduce our special guest today. As I've already said, hopefully, hopefully, our doctor from uh, Chicago, Alessandra, will, will join us at some point. Um, she's possibly having technical difficulties or uh, something's happened. Things, things can happen right now. So um, at the moment, I'm just going to have the full attention, thankfully, of Tara Halliday. I'm just going to give you a very quick intro, Tara. Um, she's just throwing something else at me that I didn't know about Tara. But uh, I'm going to come on to that in a second. So Tara Halliday is a coach and trainer for high performers with imposter syndrome. With 20 years experience, her work develops authentic authenticity, resilience and effortless confidence. What an amazing statement. We all want effortless confidence but it's not that easy is it she also has a degree but not the average degree you would expect from someone but then I can relate to that because I've got some weird degrees too hi Tara thank you for joining us on the show hi thank, thank you so so is your question what what the degree is uh well go on tell us that because if when people are watching they're kind of thinking well what's she talking about <laughs> yeah, yeah well it, it's a p it's a phd in engineering and uh, so it's, it's very interesting that I would, you know, be where I am from engineering. But when I was um, looking at where to go in terms of my career uh, as a teenager, 
I wanted to be a psychologist, but my family didn't approve. So I did something that they approved of more. And so I, I had a 10-year a career in engineering before I finally got back to what I love. Wow. And what a fascinating kind of story. I wonder how many, and I put my hand up here, um, how many of us actually go down the path initially, especially second, uh, second educa higher education, that is just to sort of fit the mould and appease our parents. Um, I know a lot of people that do. Um, so, yeah, so I'm going to pass you over to Kim, because Kim is going to um, start your, your session off and raise a very, very important point. Okay, so um, Tara, lovely to have you on here. And I know, obviously, the main point of today is to talk through imposter syndrome. And imposter syndrome is um, something that we know is predominantly talked about for, for women, but is also um, prevalent in men. I think it was Albert Einstein who said that the high esteem within which his works are held leaves him feeling like an unlikely swindler. So it feels like it doesn't matter how successful or how much of a genius you are, you can't, you're not necessarily not going to fall victim to it. So in all your experience, what do you think has been one of the main causes for people um, who have imposter syndrome and how they can identify it? So, um, yeah, sure. So imposter syndrome, which for those who, who, who might not know what it is, it's the, it's the secret feeling of being a fraud when you're not and the fear of being found out. And it affects 70% of high achievers at some point in their career, in, Albert Einstein included. Now, how many, you know, what about the other 30%? Well, there'll be some of people in there who are not aware of it, or maybe they haven't tripped over it yet. And, and so personally, I feel the numbers are, are larger. And yes, it, men and women are equally as the other part of it. So the original research was on um, women. 1978, they studied undergraduate, uh, sorry, graduate students who were women in the university. And that's when the, the imposter phenomenon came out. And then more studies showed it tended towards women. But then in 1997, a new study came out in which they'd made the polls anonymous and suddenly the numbers were 50-50, were men and women equally. And what we were looking at was in, you know, a bias towards, um, well, men being generally uncomfortable experience, um, sharing something that they might consider to be a weakness or other people might be considered a, a weakness. So... The experience of imposter syndrome is often a surprise because it shows up in highly successful, highly competent people. So intellectually, they know they can do this work. They know they, 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 they can do this job. They've got the, the experience and the history to prove it. But it's like they don't quite believe it. They're not feeling it on the inside and, and they're doubting it. And it, so when the imposter syndrome shows up, it's... It's like being struck with a sudden lack of confidence. So people often chase, oh, I need to be need to get more confidence. But it's not confidence that that's the issue. It's it's the situation they found themselves in. So imposter syndrome, feeling like a fraud, fearing that people are going to find you out any minute, um, that is triggered by a combination of high challenge and low support. And personally, I think this is why it shows so much up in highly successful people because as they 
get promoted as their jobs expand and they get to um, do more things they get higher and higher challenge all the time and unless the support keeps up with them then they can be liable to imposter syndrome um, there are several things that you might notice not just that self-doubt where where maybe it wasn't there before um, but there's things like procrastination perfectionism over-preparing um, deflecting praise they're, they're saying oh that wasn't me or, or oh <laughs> you know um, oh I just got lucky there's uh, you know they're not really believing that they deserve to be in that spot um, and uh, another one is not having enough qualifications maybe if I just get another certification another degree another something then maybe that will prove that I'm good enough and what underlies all of imposter syndrome is is the is a belief a belief about our worth our fundamental worth as a human being and that belief is my worth depends on what I do and it doesn't sound so bad to to, to start off with but it means that if if I do something good I am good if I do something bad I am bad and, and that means we're mixing up our identity and our worth with our actions. And that leaves us very vulnerable to the circumstances that I mentioned of high challenge and low support. Wow, wow sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a bit late on unmuting there. Um, yeah, so because I know Kim, I, hope they, I know obviously you'll be happy to share this, but you have a career which has been X, and obviously you're doing something very different, which is definitely now a Y or, or you know, a chalk and cheese um, career. So I think there's probably a lot of that that you, I know you can you relate to. Oh, I know absolutely. And as you were saying it, I, I was seeing a lot of the things that that, that I've gone through. I, mean, I did. Um, sorry, just just for you, for you really. I um, started off as a hairdresser, and then I ended up being board level. Um, CEO for, for a FTSE 250 constantly convinced that they were going to find out that they've got a hairdresser on the board and turf me off you know so like every day I kind of went in going oh my god they're just going to work out that that, that I am not capable of this and yet for 20 years I continued to operate at that level and it, and it was fine but you suddenly realize that actually it's very very hard because whilst you don't want to get found out while you do feel like a fraud you have this ridiculous conversation in your head where you have to go in anyway because the one way that's guaranteed they're going to find out that you're a fraud is if you just don't turn up mm. so you kind of have to go you have to keep putting yourself into the situation to feel afraid of being found out because you're afraid of being found out which is kind of sounds counterintuitive but was how I lived for a lot for a lot of years until I had to do that piece that said actually you've muddled your self-worth with what it is that you're doing so you know totally resonated um, with, with me and I think you know for me personally my turning point was having my little girl because I realized that the voice we talk to ourselves becomes the voice we teach our children to talk to themselves and I and that broke my heart and mm -hmm. um, whilst I do my best to be kind and um, be empathetic with the world I'm not a very nice person to myself I could say some horrendous horrendous things that I would never dream of saying to anybody else and and you kind of think the person that you, is with you constantly, the only constant in your life is you. And you've got to be kinder to yourself. You've got to, uh, you've got to understand it. And I, I almost wonder whether or not it is really imposter syndrome or whether it's a symptom of being an insecure overachiever. Because you kind of, I guess to your point, you kind of don't get it until you've achieved something, until you've 
and it's the highly it's high achievers that seem to stumble into it faster yeah it, is that right Tara you know is it I mean is it just high achievers or you know um I, I, is, does it sort of come down to actually anyone that just suddenly finds themselves uh, progressing rather quickly or or just you know finding their new feet in a new environment uh, it, it, it's triggered by a combination of high challenge and low support. So, you know, if, if you're, say, a baker and, you know, every day you go in and you bake the same cakes and the same, the, the same bread and, and, you know, you, you learned it 20 years ago and, and it's routine, there's no challenge in there. So imposter syndrome isn't going to show up in there unless you decided to enter a national baking contest and suddenly you're on TV having to create a masterpiece out of these crazy ingredients. And then you might start to feel, oh, who, who am I to be doing this? Or, or if you won, who am I to have won that? So yes, it, it, it has that, uh, um, that, that tendency to be, the more people are challenged is where it'll show up and, that, and that's the high achievers. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's that's really. I think it's really relevant because I think um, there's a kind of a myth that we think there's certain types of people that would suffer from imposter syndrome, um, and there is a, a type, but it, it's not true, is it? It really isn't. I think also when you do something for the very first time, it can always feel an element of imposter syndrome, but it's always about how you deal with it. But Joe, you have you suffered from imposter syndrome? So you've worn many different hats in your wonderful, colourful life. Oh, I certainly did in my first career. My first career was medical research ethics, but my qualifications were in medieval studies and ancient Greek. Um, and I literally was a research fellows PA, uh, my first job out of university. And three months in, she said, look, you're obviously overqualified for this role. How would you like to be my research assistant? And then from that, I developed an academic career and um, I just wasn't qualified, you know, there was no way around it. I was bright and had been taught how to think, um, but I wasn't qualified in the field. And so I feel like I had a completely justified <laughs> experience of imposter syndrome, but did what Kim talked about, which is in order for that, you know, not to come crashing down around me, I had to keep showing up, keep doing the work, keep getting better. And over time, what enabled me to finally release that um, was realizing sheer number of years on the job, I now absolutely had the experience and that I had quite a unique experience because I came in as a more uh, uncluttered thinker because I hadn't come through the MA programs in medical ethics. I wasn't thinking in the same way. I was thinking much more like an ordinary member of the public. And that was actually a really valuable thing to bring to the organization. So I rewrote my script around it to make it much clearer to myself um, the value that I brought. But I wanted to ask the question, which is what's the solution? Because one solution for me, the challenge didn't go away. The challenge in that career just kept on amping up. But what did change was more support. I found an ally. And then having found one ally who validated the gaining of that experience and, and the value I was adding, I had the confidence to find another ally, to find another ally, to find another ally. And by the time I left that career, I had a whole network of people around the country that were part of that um, 
support network. So I, I became actually incredibly well supported in my role and actually left at a point when I, where I was really comfortable and I needed a new challenge. So I wonder if that's part of the answer, Tara, is part of the answer that you have to find more support. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, yes and no, <laughs> partially. So um, if you get more support, which you, you illustrated beautifully there, actually, if you get more support, then the trigger for imposter syndrome goes away. And so that is absolutely the solution. This is why I would like to see high achievers getting more support like the athletes get the support, because that's that's what's going to be helpful and allow them to to really do their best and not burn out. Because the alternative is, you know, as Kim was saying, showing up and just pushing through it is exhausting, can lead to burnout and people ending ending careers. Um, but, but to actually get rid of imposter syndrome, there's there's three parts to it. First, you have to calm everything down. So getting more support calms down the trigger of imposter syndrome. Um, calming down the um, Im imposter syndrome behaviors is, is going to help. And then calming down your physiology. So we go into this fight, flight or freeze nervous system state. And that changes the way, literally changes the way we think, and it changes our resourcefulness. It, it, it lowers our resourcefulness. So the first step is calm, all those three things. Then the second step is clear, to clear out the belief that underlies it, the belief around our unconditional worth. Because if you don't get rid of that, what will happen with imposter syndrome is it'll keep repeating. It'll come back and back any time that there's a high challenge and low support situation. So you leave yourself open to that in the future. And then fin finally, the um, the icing on the cake, if you like, is once you've got rid of the belief, cleared that belief, then you can create new success habits to replace those old uh, dysfunctional ones, if you like, um, because the, the imposter syndrome behaviors are just the symptom of imposter syndrome. Once you get rid of the belief that then the, the underlying belief about our conditional worth, then the behaviors just kind of melt like snow in the sun. Wow, I'm sure people watching that, Tara, will, will like the idea of that because um, so I mentor a lot of speakers, professional speakers, uh, men and women, who absolutely, the imposter syndrome can kick in the very minute you're about to step onto stage or obviously turn, turn on the camera as we're doing, mm. as we're doing now. But um, and that's great advice. I and mean, obviously, the clear out the belief for me sound, is, sounds the biggest one the biggest challenge because actually that takes some doing doesn't it it's not that easy just to sort of take a deep breath and go oh I've cleared that belief <laughs> there's a lot to that isn't there that needs to be done there, there, there absolutely is um you know you, you can't just although many people advocate it you can't just stand in the mirror and tell yourself that you're fabulous because there's a little party voice going no you're not no you're not and it's just not going to work um uh, particularly if you've been triggered into that fight, flight or freeze state, so your, your, your body is screaming, hey, there's a tiger in the room and, and, and you're trying to convince yourself that, that you're just fabulous and everything's OK. So, so it's 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 not going to um, uh, it, it's not going to work like that. Definitely. So, so what could you uh, recommend to our viewers of, of how they can start that process? Obviously, they can get in touch with you, um, which would be the ideal scenario. 
but just some what would be your tough best tips to really start looking at what your how you value your unconditional worth and how you could start working on that yeah great you're right so 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 the clearing out the belief is is the essence of the work that's what's really going to move it and that would be in you know coming to see someone like me who runs a program that includes uh, that deep change belief work um but there's certainly things you can do. The very first step, most people keep imposter syndrome as a, a secret. And, and you know, this, this was mentioned earlier. Uh, tell someone, find somebody and tell them. Now, not somebody who's going to try and fix you or criticize you and not someone who, you know, might, might call you out. So, um, you know, somebody who you might trust. So we're coming all the way back to trust here and get that support system in place. The more you can do that, the better. And then do things to keep your physiology as calm as possible. So, you know, if you if you feel like you've, you've been overwhelmed by this um, this this wave of of anxiety or fear or something, then you can shake your hands and legs, and or you can do some stretches. You can go for a walk, go for a run. There's there's a lot of managing our physiology first that's going to help in terms of the way we feel about ourselves, because getting into the neuroscience then it, it takes the brain from an emergency state to a friend state and that's when we can um you know sensibly then have that talk with ourselves and and and, and look at the reality of the situation um so yeah talk talk to somebody and do everything that you can to get and stay as calm as you can yeah fantastic and it's it's so true isn't it because it's getting support is is fairly easy to achieve on a level but it is does have to be the right support doesn't it because you could reach out to someone um and i know this happens with a lot of female entrepreneurs that as you're progressing you can reach out to someone who will support you but not necessarily support you in the right way um and it has to be someone who kind of will relate i suppose to that environment that situation um you know i know kim and i and joe and i we've all spoken about these these tough situations and they can relate to them so you can then empathize in a different way rather than just saying oh there there that must be tough um, so I think that's why speakers for example really stick together because mm. they really understand how pressurized it is getting on a stage and speaking to hundreds of people especially when well not especially but when you're being paid a fairly good sum of money to do that as a professional when actually we've proved in the last few months that anyone can speak professionally really um so yeah so how how, do, how is that achieved do you think that you know how do we how do we seek out those right that right support what does that need to look like yeah well, i i recommend interviewing people so you 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 pick somebody who you think might be somebody who 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 could support you so not somebody who's going to try and fix you definitely not somebody who's going to tell you don't don't be you know don't be stupid um and not somebody who's just going to try and convince you that you're fabulous because I mean, it, it sounds like that would be helpful but if you're not feeling it and somebody's telling you oh how wonderful you are how wonderful you are you'll not believe them and you'll just dis disregard them and you'll feel even more isolated and even more alone. So it has to be somebody who can definitely hear you and empathize. And so in interview them, you know, ha have, uh, if you can get in-person meetings, have a coffee together, have a chat and drop in a little something and see how they respond. And if they respond 
you know, positive in a supportive way, then, you know, you can try another one uh, and you can go deeper. And you might have to interview quite a few people before you find somebody who can really be there for you and you can you can explain this to and you can talk about it and talk through things. And when you have found that person, then that stops that feeling of isolation. Then you're feeling less alone and that and that's what really helps in the support. Yeah, brilliant. And that's that I would say nine times out of ten isn't necessarily your partner or your significant other, is it? Because they'll say, You're amazing, you can do this. Look at you, look at your experience, look how good you are. I love you, I'm behind you, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then actually that doesn't really help, does it, unfortunately? <laughs> so um, but I, I want to bring it back to a really good point you raised, which was um about speaking up about this. And maybe this is why we've got this misconception that women suffer more than men, because women are better at sharing when they're struggling or they're, you know, they have a challenge. Uh, we just generally are more open with talking about uh, struggles that we have. So is this, is this why women's, women notably suffer more? Can we go into that a bit more? Why do women suffer more than men, but equally so? Uh, I think it's the perception that women suffer more because women are more willing to speak about it. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you, you see a lot of the people who've spoken up about imposter syndrome, um, Meryl Streep and Michelle Obama and, 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 and a whole host of celebrities and things. And society has it more acceptable for a woman to express what might be considered a weakness. And men it's it's almost like absolutely not there is there is nobody that you can tell so you'd be amazed at the number of people that i talk to who tell me that they have never told anyone else about their imposter syndrome not even a partner or spouse so the idea that it's that it is just women and what women suffer more is is just because they're prepared to speak up about it more and and i think that's a strength because women are um, generally, and of course this has to be a generalisation, but generally find it easier to access support than men. And you can see this reflected also societally in that you know the, the higher rates of suicide in men than women. Um, it's a it's it's a whole society problem. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic, and it's raised the the very big issue, and and it's one thing that's definitely reflected in our book because obviously this show is uh is supporting the woman leading book that was published and has been a bestseller um but it was really important when i started that that message about it being a mixed conversation with male authors as well as female authors because like you say men men uh, suffer the same challenges um and also I, we need to raise these issues with the, the norm of society and question it and change it um, and I think that's really important because you would wonder, would would uh, a male politician offer another male politician his best advice? Would Do you see that? You don't often see that, do you? You don't see that kind of visible support. Maybe they would in a more quiet and less discerning way. Um, but I think that there's, there's a whole issue, probably a whole, um, you know, show on society and actually the the, the norms that we actually have to ditch and get rid of before we can really make some serious differences in equality. Um, but yeah. I think that's really important. Uh, Joe, is there something, anything else? Because you, you obviously work in coaching and 
you probably have similar conversations on with some of your clients in relation to what we talked about today. Well, one of the things that's just been in my mind as you were talking there about differences between women and men and women's um, greater willingness perhaps to express what they're struggling with is actually there is research that shows that um, for men, it can be a source of incredible stress to share what they're struggling with if in that sharing they can't take it all the way through to a solution. So actually, with the societal change that I think we need to see, it, it is going to need to include the fact that men and women may need to share in different ways. And that where I would say I see a lot of women um, wanting to share for the sake of the sharing and that that brings release with a lot of men it needs to be more sharing with a view to how have you solved this because i haven't managed to yet and my experience is that men do pass on um expertise and in fact that one of the things that can make a man feel very insecure and isolated is not having enough uh, male sponsors that they can go to and just go well look what do you do in this situation. Um, so I think we can't, uh, you know, the, the comments I've made are clearly generalizations, but there is actually some research that male and female brains are different. Um, and we have to try and build that in so that we have a more nuanced conversation than just saying clearly what we need to all do is talk about it more. Um, some people will need to talk about it very much behind closed doors. Um, but we clearly, and I know it's the subject of your next book, Joe, that you're bringing out with proper books is, is encouraging mental health conversations for men um, and getting away from this idea of, you know, of pretending to be fine. So I think that's really what was in my head was not, not making an assumption that everybody needs the same thing and making sure that we've got systems that allow people to express what they need um, and, and really that we equip them with the ability to ask for what they need, you know, because a lot of people won't speak up because they don't know how, you know, they've never been accurately shown how to do that. Yeah, no, that's that's great advice. I think that's really important that, that there are those remits. I mean, we're obviously in a very interesting time and, you know, hopefully there's been a, a real shift with us all being more on a, a level playing field in organizations and it will be interesting to see what happens in the next six 12 months in the larger corporates um, on some levels because we have all entered this kind of equal zone of all just being this big on a screen and i love that idea i love the fact that actually all these very very uh st strict and classic hierarchical structures are actually just been ditched because for some level it's all become a very equal um, position around the table, uh, i.e. on Zoom or Google Meets or whatever. So hopefully more conversations, more open training um, and things like that. I mean, going back to your comment, Joe, Mike Davis Marks wrote a chapter obviously in the book about how different our brains have evolved, men and female brains. I mean, really, we ideally should have this show again and, and get some male guests on the show. And um, is there a male version of you, Tara, out there somewhere? I haven't come across one. 
<laughs> not yet. Well, I haven't come across a female alternative. <laughs> well, thank goodness we have you then, and hopefully, um, hopefully, we will. Your message will be passed on and passed out to many more because I know you've got an amazing following um, already. But mm. it's such an important, um, and I just would like to bring it back. Obviously, it only relates to I know a few of us here, but. And I know a lot of women suffer from imposter syndrome because they've been just a mother um, and they may have been just a mother for six months or, or even a friend of mine was a mother for 12 years. She gave up her career in law. She was a fully fledged lawyer. And when she was returning to work, I gave her lots of support about returning to being a role. And it, and it literally was just an administrative role at a school. And you would think she was applying for a job as MP. She was so worried. The imposter syndrome kicked in hugely. And thankfully, by that point, Tara, you and I had already connected. So I was uh, passing on your best advice. Um, but I think, sadly, there's a lot of mothers that it naturally kicks in. And I'm sure it would for, for fathers that have been home for a long time as well. Uh, but obviously, proportionally, there are more women that spend more time at home with their kids after um, the men. So that's a really, I think, a really topical point of what it, what is it like as a mother to return to work and the challenges. So, um, Tara, sorry, Tara, is there anything else you'd like to add just before we finish off this show? It's been fascinating, and I want, I want to watch it back as soon as I can to, to get yeah. absorb it all again. Oh, I, I wanted to just just refine just just a little bit because it was wonderful. I loved what Joe was saying about the difference between men and women in terms of look, looking for support. And um, when when I'm talking about looking for support, I am talking about a one on one conversation with somebody. Um, groups, group support just doesn't seem to help with imposter syndrome only because you'd be sitting in a room of people and you online and you'd be thinking well they're not really imposters I'm the only real imposter it, it, you know there's it doesn't get to the level of other other than sharing in a connective way and and so to get to the heart of it and really um, help with that support it, it, it needs that one-to-one -one really being seen somebody seeing you and accepting you for what you are and taking you for what you are and not an identity you know as Kim would say I, I'm not a, I'm not a hairdresser it's not who you are it's what you did at one point in your life and for mothers it's not who you are it's what you what you have done and, and what you what you do in that moment is the difference between the identity and what you do is where a lot of the struggle of imposter syndrome lies so if somebody is quite introspective that'd be a good place to explore Fantastic. That's a great bit of advice. And and this also isn't there an element of actually as a hairdresser, goodness me, the people you have sat in your chair, the people you have to counsel and listen to drone on about their life problems or their next holiday. Um, you know, it's just endless, isn't it? And so all those skills that you and this is something I definitely really encourage with um, with anyone that I come across is doing a career change. Look at what you've just done and all the skills that are that underneath that are quiet skills that you won't realize that you've achieved or attained but they're not necessarily on paper skills but the skills like you know as a, a listener uh, someone who is able to communicate and also validate and evaluate information which is so much about leadership Kim is that yeah and, and, and to be fair I often say say to people now that I I got my 
my lessons in leadership being a hairdresser because actually what you were taught to do was to really listen to understand because you needed to understand what the what, who the person was what they wanted what they were looking for and what was important to them to give yourself any kind of chance of being able to create the hairdo that they wanted to because we know that people go to the hairdressers to walk out feeling their best version of themselves you've got to you've got to understand that and i think having having spent many years thinking it was my uh, it was the cause of my imposter i realized actually it was the cause of my power um because although i've seen it as a vulnerability it was actually the thing that made me a good leader because i could talk to anybody um and i could listen to them and, and understand them and i think you, you're, you're so right in that we often we take some of those but we take some of those things for granted, don't we? We think that they're not particularly skillful because we can all listen. But how many people really do? Um, I guess it really the, is. And, and by the way, there's a book there, Lessons of Leadership from a Hairdresser. Because, you know, I totally agree. And not only are you <laughs> dealing with the, what they're asking for, but you're really listening and empathizing. And, and then you need to remember what I said to you last time I saw you, which was six weeks ago. Um, and there's so many skills involved with that. So coming on to the book so here is our book women leading um we have the next one is in its making now so it's women leading founders it's all about women that are creating innovative businesses to change the world and there are so many it's remarkable so the next women leading book will be focused on that but this is our book this has myself joe and kim in it and it also has dr alessandra wall who unfortunately couldn't obviously join us today from san diego who knows what's happening for her, but I hope she's well and we wish her well. Um, this book is available on Amazon. Um, perhaps, Tara, you could be in the next one. Um, that would be fantastic. Or the one after that. Or we need to get you in one of them because uh, your message. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. That'd be great. Thank you. Yes. Your message is so important and it's it's so valid. And obviously, um, we're, we're, we're grateful to have you in uh, the show today. It's been fantastic. This is the last of our uh, season one of our shows of the Women Leading Show. Um, but we will be back again on Friday the 11th of September and uh, we will have quite a meaty show then. Actually, we won't talk about meat because it's all about, uh, there's a lot about vegetarianism in this one. But it's uh, we will have our author, Sonal Badiani. She is a humanitarian and she champions and campaigns for uh, human rights and for the environment. She has written a brilliant chapter in the book. And we'll also have special guest, Elizabeth Cairns, who is the empowered entrepreneur, and she's a climate change activist too. So it's going to be a great show. That's Friday, the 11th of September at 12, back to our normal time. And uh, please feedback, please share this show. We'd like to spread the word, help support people, help women help women, and uh, we can all help each other get where we want to, um, feeling happy, confident, and as Tara said, calm. So thank you guys. Lovely to have you on the show again. Um, have a great weekend all and uh, I'll see you. Next time. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.